0: This episode is brought to you by farhatameen.com, a website that specializes in Islamic stickers, Muslim activity books, as well as Ramadan and e-decorations. Wholesale and reseller inquiries are also welcome. So visit farhatameen.com today. Two quick messages before this episode begins. Number one, the podcast used to be called A Muslim Mum. That's now changed to Muslima Mindset. Number two, I have a newsletter called Invest In Yourself. Please sign up to that. That's the way I'm going to be communicating with listeners. The link's in the bio. Or you can go to farhatameen.substack.com. That's where I give tips and ideas and let you know what's going on as far as books that I'm reading and podcast recommendations. So love you to join that at the As-salamu alaykum And welcome to a new episode of a Muslim Mum podcast. I'd like to start today by um, just reading out a really lovely email I received from Jennifer. Um, She says, I loved your recent podcast about modesty and hijab. I'm a convert and I've been blessed to wear hijab for about six years. I love what you are doing, mashallah. Now, I received this um, email about two weeks ago now and it's... um, just so nice to hear from, from you guys. I do, um, every now and again, get, um, you guys reach out to me on email and, um, Instagram. My Instagram handle is Farhat Amin underscore UK. But what I wanted to, I just wanted to say to Jennifer, that it just made me so happy and I, and it made me happy that my, um podcast is you're finding some kind of useful really that is what i have wanted um from this pod to ha- to impart some the little bit of knowledge that i have i'd like to pass that on and um make that a benefit to my fellow sisters who i may never be able to meet but we are in each other's duas inshallah now Today's podcast is about um, Muslim feminism in particular and we are coming near to the end of this season and so I wanted to just ask you, um, the listeners, I want to ask you if you have any questions about this whole topic because I have covered a lot with the different guests. I would really like um, to have any questions that you have, anything that hasn't been answered, anything that you're not sure about please email me. My email is info at farhatameen.com and you can um, see there's a contact page on my website uh, farhatameen.com as well. So that's the best way to get in touch with me because I will reply to emails. And um, I'm also debating what to do for my next season. Um, I've been busy with um, something really interesting. Uh, I'm in the UK and both me and my husband, we have been doing a course called "The Thinking Muslim Co- a Guide to Liberalism." This we've been doing in two places now in UK, and it's going through. I, I touched upon liberalism in um, in this in this podcast in this season, and what we have it's been really good to actually talk and meet with fellow Muslims who are interested in finding out more about this topic and interested in how what's the alternative to liberalism and how is liberalism affecting us as a community individuals as families so i'm thinking of doing um this course uh, i'm thinking of two things either to do this as as podcast episodes but possibly doing this as um webinars um using google hangouts where i can then i can do it live so I could I'd be delivering it and then you guys can if you wanted to come on and and, um, do this live you can then ask questions so it's more interactive and I'm more than happy to do that but I don't know whether people would be interested that I guess that's my question to you that would you be interested in a webinar format of the podcast and what I'm also thinking is to do the Q&A of feminism and Islam in a um, in a webinar as well so inshallah please let me know i because i'm st- i'm gonna ask on all my social media what people think whether they like that and um and i think i am going towards this um the podcast episodes being the next season will be Islam and liberalism because i really do think that is having a massive impact on us so love to hear from you inshallah and um so yes yeah, So we'll, we'll we'll begin the podcast now Is it okay to be a Muslim feminist? I'm sure that's a question that may have popped into your mind at some point or another. Now, liberal societies say they believe in freedom of religion. However, they constantly undermine Islam in particular. They sow the seeds of doubt in our minds by intentionally misrepresenting Islamic laws relating to women. Feminism, however, is presented to us as an alternative viewpoint. It's progressive, empowering and liberating, whereas Islam is archaic, restrictive and authoritarian. If you grew up in a liberal secular country like the US or UK or any European country, you've probably been drip fed ideas such as freedom, equality and individualism. Without realizing, We have all become convinced that they are universal truths and we then live by them. So when we want to defend Islam's record on women's rights, we say things like Islam is a feminist religion and Islam does believe in equality. And before you know it, we're declaring I am a Muslim feminist. I'm sure you've seen YouTube videos with that title. So, and if you haven't, take a look at them. They they go along those lines. Now, we use principles of feminism to defend Islam, which really, it doesn't make sense. Let me explain. Now, feminists say they want to have the same rights as men, i.e. political rights, property rights, inheritance rights, and the right to divorce. Muslims hear this and say, before Islam came to the Arabs of Mecca. Women had very few rights. Then Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala revealed eyes of the Quran to Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi which gave women all of these rights. So therefore, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu was a feminist, and Islam supports feminist ideals. But this idea, this reasoning, doesn't stand up to scrutiny. If Islam really believes in absolute equality, then why, according to Quran and Sunnah, is the husband the head of the household and it's his duty to work and provide for the family? Whereas the wife is given the role of a homemaker and has no obligation to spend her wealth on her family. This well-established Islamic view of family structure is the opposite of feminism's stance on equality. And and family, if you look into it as well, I've I've mentioned this in previous podcasts. Uh, We can find many examples, and non-Muslims also point out Islamic rules that do not coincide with equality. For example, why are there only male prophets? Why can a woman not be the leader of an Islamic government, i.e., the caliph? Why do women have to wear the khimar, the head covering, and the jilbab? That's the loose, um, long dress when they go out, and men don't have to. Why do we have male imams leading salah in masjids and women have to pray behind them? Now, all of these are um, uh, opinions, valid opinions, based on you know traditional Islamic sources. These aren't modern. Uh, this isn't a modern version. These have all been accepted for many years. Um, And um, do you notice anything about these questions? It's not a coincidence that they are all topics that Muslim women in the 21st century are questioning as well. And they are questions that really have been put there by non-Muslims. They, it's not just a coincidence um, that this has happened. So the question then is, how can a Muslim square the circle of, on the one hand, being told feminism and Islam are compatible um, but then we see blatant contradictions when it comes to Islamic rules now some Muslims try to resolve this obvious disparity by reinterpreting or denying the existence of Islamic rules unless they conform to feminism (coughs) for example Muslim feminist Amina Wadood you can google her has written a book called Quran and Women, rereading the sacred text from a woman's perspective. So she calls herself a scholar and she's written this book and she is advocating very publicly, so this, this is not backbiting, she, she proudly does this, that we need to reread the Quran and look at it from a woman's perspective. Now she delivers Friday khutbas. Um, sermons and has led prayers of mixed congregations which we know only, only men can do that she also, uh, she's also part of Mus- musawa.org who are calling for the reformation of traditional family structures so these three things being um, a woman is not allowed to lead the Friday khutbah with uh, and, uh, and men and women do not pray side to side during you know um congregational prayers all of these everyone every school of thought agrees on this but she believes she's one example of someone who says no we can um we can change we can in- reinterpret Allah's rules to fit in with feminist ideals that that's something she, she's made a career on um Another example is um, there's a third wave feminist website. If you want to know what third wave feminism is, again, look, listen to the podcast on Feminism Exposed, um, which is a few um, a month or so back now. So now there is so there's a third wave feminist website called Muslim Girl which advocates a very liberal, individualistic version of Islam. It's also very, if you see the image, it's very provocative, uh, very sexualized images of Muslim women. So now in 2018, millionaire Gary Vaynerchuk, again, I would say Google him, Uh, he's he's a non-Muslim, he's very liberal, he's invested in this progressive Muslim website, and he says, so that their mission can have a chance. So it's straight away, it makes you think, why would, so a non-Muslim is um, investing in a so-called a Muslim website. It's, um, he doesn't want to um, spread Islam, he he isn't a convert. So you have to question why. Um, so now, and then finally, the last example. Um, In a well-known TEDx talk titled What Does the Quran Really Say About a Muslim Woman's Hijab? by Samina Ali she says she she looks at the um, ayah relating to covering and according to her own interpretation she's not a scholar she denies the obligation of hijab that's what she basically does but this video has had millions of views and so What I just wanted to illustrate was that there are, when I say there are people, alhamdulillah, they're not in the majority, but there are Muslims who, and they're growing in number, unfortunately, who are trying to say, Islam and feminism, you can be a Muslim feminist, but in essence, they are, you know, unless I'm mistaken they are taking equality, personal freedom and individualism as their guiding principles and they want Islam to adapt to these liberal principles. They don't want to they, they want Islam to change. And these rights that they are calling for are the same rights that John Locke, the father of liberalism, and feminist philosophers Mary Wollstonecraft and Betty Friedan, demanded. There's exact they are in total sync they are akin to the same thing and now it would be disingenuous to not acknowledge that since its inception the feminist movement has helped some women gain political social and economic rights but as muslims we must also recognize feminism is an inherently secular movement that this word is so bad um proselytizes moral autonomy and therefore disobeying our creator moral autonomy um, proselytizing means to you're basically do it's their dower you're trying to convert and persuade people uh, to have moral autonomy that means you're autonomous you are on your own you decide your moral compass what you think is right and what you think is wrong it's up to you that is ultimately what they are saying and therefore you'll be disobeying your creator because um, we all know our core belief is submission to Allah, our creator. That is our starting point. We are the slaves of Allah. You know, Abd Allah, that is what we are. The core belief of feminism is to gain equal rights with men. In contrast, absolute equality is not a goal for Muslims. Rather, Islam says justice is a fundamental idea that Muslims need to strive for and work to establish in the world. In Islam, men and women and their actions are equal in the eyes of Allah. Allah says in the Quran, Never will I allow to be lost the work of any worker among you, whether male or female. One of you is as the other. That's in Surah 3, Ayah 195. Islam primarily addresses men and women the same because men and women by and large share the same human characteristics. Men and women are addressed separately only in relation to the few areas where men and women differ. The Islamic system is not based on selfish individualism but a God-centered worldview promoting mutual reciprocity. That means, you know, give and take. In Islam, women do not serve men, nor do men serve women. Rather, we serve Allah by helping each other and giving to each other based on human needs and the understanding that humans are not all the same. Islam guards the female from the moment she enters the world by rebuking and prohibiting the practice of female infanticide as one of the gravest sins to be committed. Such a religion can only go on to challenge the ill-treatment of women and secure her well-being at every stage of her life. Through property rights, marriage contracts, political participation, inheritance laws and dress code, it advocates complementarity with men and not competition. Marriage is the bedrock of family life and the fundamental unit of Islamic society giving us rights and duties to one another. As a wife, she has the right to be provided for, including her own living space and is guaranteed financial safeguards, (coughs) should her marriage not work out. Yet, Islam does not straitjacket women. It allows a woman to enter the workplace, but not out of the necessity of the struggle to support herself, but out of choice to be pursued at her leisure. In Islam, nobody has a right over her earnings, however Islam mandates that a man's earnings must be used to provide for the women of the household, irrespective of whether they work or not. Furthermore, as a mother, the woman is given preference for respect with her children over their father, such as the esteemed role she plays as the heart and soul of the family and by extension society. Islam provides a clear and natural and just solution to ensuring justice for all humans and has no need for feminism's vain attempts to reinvent the wheel that Islam set in motion over 1,400 years ago. In Islam, power is not a virtue, it is a burden response and responsibility. Instead of seeking to empower ourselves, we should empower justice. In Islam... Women are liberated from the servitude of men and liberated from the expectations of other women. It is a virtue which all human beings, regardless of gender, career or social role, can equally strive for. In the end, true self-worth and contentment does not come through submission to any, any aspect of creation, but rather by submission to the creator himself and all that he commands." I think it's necessary to address the reasons why some Muslim women and men are turning to secular feminism in the first place. As I just mentioned, uh, the teachings in the Quran and the Sunnah are perfect. However, we must admit that we are imperfect. Globally, we cannot point to any Muslim government that advocates for justice for all people by applying Allah's laws comprehensively. But we can... Can't neglect the underlying issues which drive women towards the feminist camp to begin with. For example, there are few spaces in Muslim countries or in Muslim society, you know, um, communities in 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 the West, which are committed to encouraging Muslim women to reach their full potential and make meaningful contributions. Oftentimes, they you know, Muslim young Muslim women in particular turn to non-Muslim organisations that take their concerns seriously and place those concerns within the context of a broader feminist struggle against patriarchal systems. And unfortunately, religious um, feminists do they um, have labelled Christianity as being very patriarchal? And you know, is there may, may there is probably truth in their arguments, but with Islam again they've. Um, they portray Islam as being very patriarchal the, the whole structure um, and so and what based on experiences of women they can then see well Here, there's a similarity and um, what is often attractive here is not necessarily the ideology itself but its goal of tackling some of the injustices faced by Muslim women a goal that is not seen to be one to be on the agenda in many masjids and community centres. Muslim women, like many women, also face challenges at home and in society including uh, domestic violence and sexual harassment and in some cases the perpetrators of these abuses use religion to justify and legitimise their action a problem certainly not unique to Islam. We have to stop accepting unjust practices in our communities that are not rooted in Islam that that is the only way that things will change you know we should focus our efforts you know to understand the Islamic approach so that's something we it starts from ourselves that we need to educate ourselves on what you know I gave an outline with um due to time not including all the evidences but that is something that you can do in your own time and I, I would um Uh, stress and and encourage you to do that and so starting with yourself then with your children your girls and your boys showing them and explaining finding out what does Islam say about women's rights men's rights you know all rights in relationships and then we then have to implement them in our families you know in our masjids in our organizations and communities and um, and finally we must hold ourselves accountable for failing to behave in ways that are not consistent with prophetic teachers so when we see um sexist behavior that's you know that's completely un-islamic we do have to call it out we can't just ignore it because and then because then we're not holding on to the to the truth anymore we're just playing it lip service so to conclude, bizarrely, we are living in a time where it has become cool for Muslims to identify as feminists. Um, feminists have really, especially third-wave feminism and our fourth-wave feminism, has embraced hijab-wearing women into the movement. Think of Linda Sarsour. Yeah, there are, um, you know, the examples I gave previously. They are saying, we accept all your... Um, all differences, all types of women. So the feminist movement is very warm and welcoming and supportive. That So therefore, people, Muslim, young Muslim girls and women are being attracted to them. Now, most people, you know, blow whichever way social norms take them. You know, it's to be accepted in a time where there is Islamophobia and there is um, so much negative press about Muslim, and and as we know, Muslim women are at the brunt of um, that Islamophobia. You know that that um, nobody can deny that. You know, so it's easy to go towards to be attracted to that movement, but we know Muslim feminism will not comprehensively resolve the problems that Muslim women are facing. We just you just have to look into what are their solutions to to really um think about that and uh, and really once you start looking into the islamic solutions you know um they make much more sense so in place we need to embrace the islamic narrative to secular liberal feminism and stand up for what we believe in even if it is unfashionable untrendy or, you know, um, not politically correct. That's what we need to do. This episode is brought to you by farhatameen.com, a website that specializes in Islamic stickers, Muslim activity books, as well as Ramadan and e-decorations. Wholesale and reseller inquiries are also welcome. So visit farhatameen.com today.